And now, right to your hosts of Down the Garden Path, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing. Down the Garden Path, where each week we discuss down-to-earth tips and advice while doing our best to, oh my goodness, what are we doing our best to seasonally manage your <laughs> garden and landscape. I'm Joanne Shaw, owner of Down-to-Earth Landscape Design, and with me is my ho- co-host, Matthew Dressing. Hello, Matthew. My, my, uh, I, my, I moved my computer screen, I moved the monitor, and it, it hung. So I was like, oh, oh, what am I supposed to, I've been saying it for seven years, you think I would know. Hi, hello, and welcome everybody to Down the Garden Path. Yes, good evening, Joanne. Hello, Gary. And good evening, everyone, and thank you for joining us. I'm Matthew Dressing, owner of Natural Affinity Garden Design. As landscape designers and gardeners, we believe it's important and possible to have great gardens, which are sustainable and low maintenance, and we want to help you make it happen. That's right. And September, it's our first show. No, it's not. It's we're a couple shows into first September. live show. First live <laughs> show into September. Thank you. And a new the other new month begins tonight on Down the Garden Path. But tonight we decided we were gonna just talk about a grab bag of activities. We'd like to take a deeper dive in for you. So uh, with you, for you. Um, Matt's notes ran out. <laughs> I did. I actually just I don't know what that says. Anyway, and if you were wondering if the show is recorded live, it is. <laughs> right? So welcome to all of our live listeners and welcome later to anybody who might be listening to this recording. So yeah, there were so many things, little things to talk about this month that we just thought we'd just do a little more of a grab bag show um and talk and we love your questions and we got a lot of really good questions last week when we did a pre-record for uh, labor day so we've got some of those to answer and we've got uh, i know you're going to send in some more um and there are some things that we wanted to talk about right matt that's right i think we're getting lots of different little questions here and there uh, as we move through september so we thought we'd uh, take a stab at those and do a little grab bag or an informal september in the garden uh yeah and so i think we wanted to start out with we haven't for a long time. We used to do this on the show, uh, but a little what's happening in mm-hmm. our garden. Uh, mm-hmm. So what do you think? Well, how about we start there? Yeah, let's go retro. And yeah, what's happening? <laughs> <laughs> what is happening? Um, yeah, you know what? My balcony garden, my condo garden, whatever you want to call it, uh, was very productive and great this year. I think I touched a, lot, a little bit about it. Uh, earlier in the uh, season, with uh, while Julia was on, we were talking about what we were going to grow. Um, so I, I did a bunch of uh, white, um, oh my gosh, a yellow wonder uh, alpine strawberries, which were absolutely delicious. I was afraid I started them way too late uh, because they can be slow to start. Uh, but these guys took right off. I had them in window boxes and they just billowed out uh, creamy yellow colored, very small alpine berries that tasted like candy. Uh, oh, wow. It was didn't have that very, you know, that strawberry-esque typical flavor. Uh, it almost had like a cotton candy flavor and it was a nice uh, firm, but a little, a little bit soft and nice little flesh to it. So uh, it was quite fantastic. 
Did it uh, go like through like a long, like what was the season? Like how long did it? Yeah, it, it started to bloom um, about early July because I had started them a little later. So it was about early July uh, and they're still out there right now uh, throwing out some strawberries. So I thought it was going to be like a June berry type yeah. uh, where they gave you a big burst, uh, but they are almost ever bearing. And so I, I, yeah, I didn't really, really, really realize that about the Alpines. I thought they were a little bit shorter, uh, but okay. this one is just going nuts. So I'm still getting a few there here and there. Okay. Yeah. So for the, for our show notes, what were they called again? Yeah, the Yellow Wonder Alpine. Yellow Wonder Alpine. Okay. So and were... annual, of course, like they're not going to overwinter in the box, right? They probably won't overwinter in the box. I'm going to treat them as annuals. I'm going to take a few out and put them in my larger containers just to see if oh, they will. Okay. Uh, okay. Just kind of as an experiment. Uh, but I will probably actually just start a whole new group from seeds uh, this year and just with the way they performed I will just treat them like annuals. Yeah. Did you start them by seed? I did yes I started oh, them by seed earlier in the year. And, just some lights and... and then if they were in the ground would they winter? They are yeah so they are okay. a perennial variety. Oh, okay yeah yeah. Okay. Excellent. Well, that is good to know. That might be something to try. Yes, for so sure. For sure. So your garden plants. is doing well then? My garden is is doing well. Lots of cherry tomatoes and garlics the one How thing did the i'm garlic waiting... do yeah sorry to interrupt you how did the garlic do because oh. you did it in containers yes yes um i did do it in containers they were pretty good um i did i want to say it was russian blue but i'm thinking of the potatoes uh so i think it was just one of the purple russian uh varieties of the garlic it came up nice a few of them died over the winter just being in the container i did start some elephant garlic uh, but they did die over the winter in the container. But then I did have some of the uh, Russian red or the whatever the, that one was. And they came back and they were pretty good. And I got some good ball bills on them uh, as well. So I let them go to seed. I cut some of them off, let some others go to seed. Uh, and I'm going to see if those little ball bills will uh, jumpstart. I tried one or two and they started. So I'm looking forward to next year doing that. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And garlic is one of the things we do want to talk about later. So, that's so yes, right. if anybody has any garlic questions. So now I'm good. just anxiously awaiting my peanuts. I have a, an Ecuadorian pinstripe peanut uh, that I planted out about five plants. They're nice and big and green. They're getting those heat days and I've seen some flowers. So now I'm just waiting for them to yellow out and I'll dig them up and brush them off and see how many peanuts I get. So I'm hoping for at least one or two, but oh. who knows? <laughs> so are they kind of like potatoes in the sense that, you know, they grow in the ground and then you have to wait for the foliage to flower and then die. And then, you know, to pick them. Is that, yeah. Potatoes are kind of the same, right? Yeah, that's exactly it. I'm just going to wait for that yellow foliage. I've seen the flowers, so they should be starting uh, some of the peanuts underneath, hopefully. Uh, and then once they start to go brown, I'll just loosen them up and pick them out. Uh, and they'll be there and I'll leave them to cure for a couple of weeks, like potatoes as well. Uh, and then they should be good to go and we'll see how striped they are. So, yeah. So that's exciting. I've never done peanuts before. <laughs> yeah, that is very interesting. Huh. A year of food on the yeah. balcony. Yeah. How about, yeah. yeah. <laughs> how about your garden? Um, it is good. My, my flower garden, my yard garden is pretty good. I ha I've had some challenges though in that. And it's funny because it was some of the perennials that we talked about uh, in our perennial month. Um, I have to say, and I don't know, 
we really had some extremes, right? We had that lots of rain in July, and then yeah. we went from that to intense heat and drought. Yeah. Um, so my salvias and my speedwells, which is kind of funny because we did a whole show about them because I love them so much, but they did not do well. Um, they, they're the salvias specific, specifically were very floppy, didn't really grow upright, didn't really fly, even though I deadheaded, they didn't really have a second flush, which was really, I think it was, they were so stressed from that drought. Um, yeah, so that was kind of disappointing. Uh, some of my, my bobos too, they browned, like they, the, the balls didn't stay white. They kind of went brown right away. So I think there was definitely some heat stress, uh, in my garden. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, that's everything else is doing well. I mean, I'm happy with my dogwoods and my, my beaches, like everything's good. Um, and then vegetable garden wise, my, which is primarily my son's garden. We tried, um, Julie had recommended, um, Astrantia. I believe it was a zucchini that you grow in a pot. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we did, uh, Dylan started the seeds and we got, uh, four, four plants, but we ended up, uh, just planting three. And we definitely have gotten zucchini from them. And I loved how compact it was. Like it was a really nice, uh, nice plant. So that was good. And um, yeah, and our cherry tomatoes are doing really well. We've had really good luck with them this year. It's really big and bushy. So there's a lot of, you know, tomatoes are kind of hidden inside. But my neighbor, I can see over the fence from my upstairs room. And hers are look the same, right? So she's got that. Um, yeah. And melons, actually we did. That was another one that, um, oh, yeah. that Julie had recommended was the small wet melon. And, uh, we grew one and one, it was hilarious because we grew two plants side by side up the chain. Um, and one literally one had a melon on it and the other one had not even got grown to the chain. Like it was oh. four inches. It was four inches. And so, um, so I have the variety right here. It's a watermelon. So it oh, was sugar baby. Oh, um, yeah. So we ended up, uh, it grew fairly quickly and, and fairly, you know, early. And we ended up putting like a nylon, making a, like a little helm, um, helmet, not helmet, <laughs> hammock, <laughs> hammock for it. Um, but we did, like, I didn't know when to pick it. Like it just, we were just so like, is it ready? Is it ready? It felt like it was growing every day. And then it stopped growing and we weren't sure if it was ready and uh, we picked it and then we weren't sure what to do. And, and it's funny because I think about a week later, then Julie did post about it, like what when to when to know to pick it. So we did pick it a little early. So it was still very whitish inside, not as red as a, as a typical watermelon, but it actually still tasted pretty good. So we had some pieces and then my husband actually made like a watermelon salad out of it. Um, and now the second plant has finally taken off. And we like we were ignoring it. Right. So the first plant never really produced any more fruit. But the second plant, I think, has like two or three on it. So <laughs> we're not sure, you know, if we run out of time, like if it will, if they will actually, you know, get to to do that. So um, so I'm looking forward to we do have Julie coming on next week. So I'm looking forward to talking to her. Um, but she did point out like what on the stem to look for as to when it was time to pick it. So um, I should have reached out to her before we did that. But anyway. Um, so yeah, so, you know, so the garden's done. Okay. It's been fun to kind of experiment with a few things. Um, my garlic did better in the backyard than it has for me in the front. Um, I did still had some in the front. Um, but the one in the back did better, but they're still not like when I look on online, I see people pulling up these huge, massive things. 
So I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I do know I had a leftover bag of, I don't know, I picked up cedar mulch. So this is a question too, um, in the winter, like or late fall last year. And so midway through the winter, I was like, oh, that I didn't think my garlic was covered enough. So I thought I would, oh. I would um, uh, dump the remaining bag of uh, cedar mulch on it. And I don't think that was a good idea. I think there, is there something in cedar mulch that inhibits because that was the other thing about the um the two melons too because that was on the that was the closest to the garlic and and had cedar mulch in in at the base where the other one did not interesting so. no you know what i've Very. never heard of anything in the cedar mulch that would inhibit growth like that really because my walking onions mm. because i have put the cedar mulch on the walking onions too and they're not walking they're just falling over and like i know they're supposed to fall over and then grow again well they're not so I, I'm really wondering, unless I got like something, some chemical was in my my uh, cedar mulch. So I don't know. Right. But it was one of those like warm winter days where I went out and like literally like grabbed it and thought, okay, let me just make sure, you know, it was just half a bag that I left, you know, winter came too soon. So <laughs> anyway, so that that's my garden, you know, so it's doing okay. Um my, I want to reach out or shout out to this, um, a new plant called Gora, uh, whirling butterflies. Um, my friend Melanie, uh, recommended it for her, con for containers. And it's been, it's a great pollinator and looks great in a container. I could not find the white ones. So I ended up getting the pink one oh, and it's yeah. pretty, but it's her, it isn't the pollen. When she posts pictures of her, her is full of bees and pollinators and my pink one isn't so i don't know i don't know if that's just different if it's but, just yeah. yeah just different or yeah yeah it had yeah, the same botanical name so i you know i i really thought it would be the same thing and it looks very looks almost the same it's just a different slightly different color mine's kind of a darker pink and hers are very white so yeah, yeah. so you know and uh and work-wise how is how are things at the garden center well, there's some news on that front. Uh, you know what? The last few weeks have been good at the garden center. Uh, we did see a lot of what you were saying with that crazy weather and the blasting. A lot of people were coming in, uh, looking at the hydrangeas, especially. Uh, they were burning out and, and turning yellow or turning brown, sorry, or changing color in general, just with all that heat stress. And we saw a lot of other uh, you know, drought stress stress issues, much like uh, you were saying with your salvias and speedwells, a lot of things just didn't bounce back or kind of took a hit and looked a little rough. The picture we used for that graphic, I took it nearby uh, and I was watching that one as we went through and especially after that heat, it did just burn out. Mm -hmm. But... I've reached the point with uh, the show uh, and Natural Affinity and the school, uh, the news there on the garden center front is that I have now left the garden center. I said goodbye to my garden center days uh, as it were, and we've moved out. I know that we haven't said what garden center I work for yet. Uh, I know there was one or two times it slipped out, uh, <laughs> but I thought maybe it should we hold that as a, as a, yeah, I mean, I think that's fine. I mean, I think anybody local kind of figured it out and other people, it doesn't really matter. Right. So, but yeah. yeah, so good for you. You're taking a leap and focusing yeah. on school and on your teaching. Cause he's Matt's teaching at a local co uh, college. Um, yeah. So that is great. So lots of time now to focus on the students, uh, you know, build, 
the the brand, my natural affinity, uh, and as well as work on our book that everybody is waiting for, which is on its way. Uh, did we want to say anything more than that? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. All right. All right. We'll leave them in suspense. Yes. Yes. Definitely. Definitely. Um, yeah. And so, and me. I mean, I'm still. I'm. I'm frighteningly booking design appointments into November. And I, I'm so, I have to say, I'm so uncomfortable with that, having people wait, but I, I just can't um, do it any faster. You know, I, I did overload myself in June and, and beginning of July, and, and I'm still kind of ca- catching up from that because at the same time, there's installs and plant orders and, and things going on where I need to be uh, on site. Like I had two today. Well, it was funny. They were supposed to both be, I had two plant orders go through on Friday and they were supposed to be installed Friday. So I kind of set my sign. They were close to my house. So I could go to both of them. Well, neither one, the contractor wasn't ready. So they both ended up being today, but I already had, uh, so I have a plant order for Friday that we needed to go look at and tag plants today. So it was like today's Mondays are normally my office day. I try not to so I can do paperwork and then kind of progress right to the show. So, yeah. So I was in three different places. Um, so, yeah. So it's, you know, it's it's hard um, to get that uninterrupted time um, versus 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. or 11 p.m. or 12 p.m. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, it, or 12 a.m. Uh, to focus just on design. So I'm trying to space everybody out. And uh, so I, I spoke to somebody today and, and, and basically had November date for him. Um, so. It's wonderful. I, I appreciate that everybody's waiting and patient. Uh, and, and I appreciate the amount of people that see the value in a design. And that is really important to me because mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like it's finally happened, you know, where I was struggling so much at the beginning of my career, trying to convince people why they needed me and why they needed a design. And and now I think people really get it. So. Um, so, yeah. So you're kind of coming into it more full time at that point. So I'm happy for you. Um, so that people, you know, the people you're going to meet and talk to and, and, um, you know, will understand that and will really appreciate the design. So, uh, so yes, it's been a lot of fun. I'm working on some really cool, exciting projects and, uh, and I have, I haven't even had time to post about them. (laughs) So, uh, so yes, uh, I just put, I did post the living wall on uh, Twitter. Um, and I did on Instagram as well. So a little bit, but, uh, yeah. So anyway, so as you mentioned, these fantastic posts you have yet to make, um, where are our listeners going to be able to follow you to check out all those awesome jobs you're working on? Well, some of them are posted on my Instagram. So uh, Joanne, Sh- under- Joanne, Sh- <laughs> go to my face, my website and uh, <laughs> down to earth.ca number two, and you'll see all my social media links. Uh, I believe it's Joanne Shaw underscore D2E is my Instagram handle. Um, and uh, and since our listeners are a little bit more worldwide, I thought I would post a few on Twitter um, and some on uh, Facebook, but uh, definitely uh, it's, best to find out all my links by going to my website which is again down to earth.ca with the number two very nice excellent and speaking of listeners we do have some uh listener comments and a couple questions uh that have rolled in uh bob smith or sorry bob bob has written in uh what is happening in my garden nothing zilch weeds uh that's why i listen to you guys good evening and uh thank uh, you bob for writing in my apologies you. there for the uh the uh name there 
Uh, do do Matt has also written in, not me, but another Matt. Uh, hello, I'm a new listener to your show, listening from Las Vegas, Nevada. And Matt already knows we love to hear where everybody is from. Uh, that's awesome that you're listening mm. from Las Vegas. Welcome to the show, Matt. Matt says he uh, loves gardening shows, but there are not a lot of choices here where I live. Thanks. Oh, so, great. Matt, we always, uh, as our, a lot of our veteran or regular listeners know, uh, we love hearing what you guys want to hear. So, uh, you know, what topics have you got, have you, Matt, looking to, or are you looking to hear as I totally lose my words here? Uh, what are you listening to hear and what is all of our listeners looking to uh, talk about or uh, have us do shows about, or maybe you've come across some great guests that you think would be wonderful for our show. You can always write us here at instudio101 at gmail.com. You can also find Matt past episodes of your uh, the show uh, at Down the Garden Path podcast on your favorite uh, podcast provider as well. Uh, Dania has written in, uh, Matt, some advice for you. Uh, number one, never mention the word yellow yeah. in front of Joanne. That is so true. That is so true. <laughs> I like yellow foliage. That's okay. <laughs> oh, okay. You say you like the song, but maybe not the, the flowers or the colors. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, and secondly, never mention on the air things that died in your garden. Hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> very true. Yes. And she says, ha, love you guys. Uh, so thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I guess I shouldn't, <laughs> but you know, some things as, as experts as we may be, uh, you know, things happen and that's gardening and I love yeah. learning from a good dead plant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, I love Steve's got a really good question. Um, mm. He says, hello, could you please tell me which nitrogen fertilizer is better? The liquid fertilizer that you use to apply with your garden hose or a granular fertilizer that you use with a spreader, which would you choose? Ooh. I don't know if Stephen is talking maybe about the lawn specifically or just other plants in general. My mind immediately high nitrogen goes to uh, the lawn or some evergreens, trees and shrubs. Um, and Stephen, I guess if I were in a lawn situation or I had healthy plants uh, like some evergreens, they were green and happy and I just wanted to kind of give them some food, I would probably go granular. Uh, just a nice slow release. I would probably also, if I could or had that option, I would go organic because I'm going to help feed the soil, which is going to help, <clears throat> pardon me, uh, help the plant as well. Uh, not that you can't go with a nice synthetic, which is, you know, your Scots, your CIL uh, type fertilizers as well. So they're very quick to release, whereas the organic needs to be broken down and released a little bit more slowly. Uh, but, you know, I also like the liquid fertilizer as well, especially in places where I know my plants are in the spring or the fall, uh, or maybe they're a little stressed. I don't like to do them in the summer, because uh, if, especially with that crazy heat that we had, uh, things being stressed, adding that liquid fertilizer, that immediate synthetic fertilizer can stress them out a little bit more, especially in, in, uh, in a lawn situation. Uh, so if, if, conditions are right and a little cooler, I'll do a liquid fertilizer because I equate the liquid is very immediately available. It's already in the soil solution and is very easily drawn up for the plant. So to me, it's like us getting an IV. It's just, it's right there for our system to use. 
And then our granular fertilizer, just nice and slow released, like a good, you know, chicken salad or or like a nice healthy meal that we can break down and really use. And Joanne's like, oh my God, shut up. Like, no, no, I'm like, are you hungry? Like, what's with all the food? Yeah. <laughs> Although when you said like, like an IV, I'm thinking like caffeine. No. So oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On those Monday mornings. That's right. Oh. That's right. That's so funny that you relate it that way. But no, no, I, I think it's a really good analogy for sure. For sure. And I'm loving that we're getting, uh, you know, a variety of comments and questions because this is our mis- mixed bag um, kind of discussion. And we did kind of hint about garlic. Um, yeah. not, not a lot of people. And, and so I think last week's recorded show talked a little bit about it. And so we had a, a couple of questions. And um, so a couple of things to highlight there that it is one of those crops that you actually do plant in the fall, kind of September, mm-hmm. October, beginning of October. And then you harvest it. It, so it overwinters in your garden and you harvest it in July. So it's kind of an interesting thing. And the other thing that's important to know is that you do not, um, we do not suggest you buy the garlic from the grocery store. That's not what you plant, uh, that you right. garden centers sell or mail order places and things like that um, sell proper. I don't know what, what's different about it. Well, I know what's different about it because the ones that at the grocery store have been treated with something right to not grow on the counters or the you know so um yeah so that's or and you can you probably could do a, like a from a farmer's market uh like a organic yeah. one right and i've done that as well um i tried a red cultivar a couple of years ago uh called mohawk and it had uh, a little bit more of an intense flavor a little bit more a red purple striping to it but it was really cold hardy uh, as well. And I got it from just our local farmer's market here and uh, it grew perfectly fine. And I wasn't worried because <clears throat> I had that trusted source from the, um, from that, the organic farmer there at the, right. at the right. market. So now they were selling it to eat it, to use it, but you could also plant it, right? Or were they selling it for growing? Yeah, no, they were selling it more for food. Okay. Um, it was just one of their food crops, but like you said, you can definitely, you know, use it for for food too, right? Um, because that's how how we do it. That's yeah. So yeah. yeah, so I went that way. Sure. So other than that, it's not like it's timing and it's kind of similar to planting tulips, right? And yeah, yeah, we definitely oh go ahead. You know, oh, explain that more because yeah, we do have to break <laughs> it. We're not planting sorry, it is wrong because we don't plant the whole bulb. You're we're breaking it up in, in the little right. Yeah, yeah. So the timing is right. Uh, And then instead of when you get the whole garlic bulb, when you get it, you'll want to break if there's a little stem in there, don't break it off because you want to peel back the outer tunic and you'll reveal all the cloves. So kind of like you're taking the cloves out of your garlic for cooking, but then you're going to plant each and every one of those cloves anywhere from three to six inches apart. I like to go closer to about the five or six mark, just to let, depending on the cultivar, you can get some really big bulbs and it limits their competition as well. And then you each clove will grow the winter over and then they'll slowly grow into uh, a nice uh, new bulb of garlic. So yeah, plant one, get six or seven and Mm -hmm. then uh, keep going. Yeah. 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 Okay. And not, not a lot of like, doesn't have to be special soil. Doesn't have to be, it should be covered. Some people say with straw um, or a mulch, not cedar mulch, I think. Mulch cedar mulch. Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, And I uncover, I just had my containers open and had some leaf debris in there Mm -hmm. as a mulch. I didn't bring up straw through, 
through the apartment. So it, that seemed to work. But yeah, definitely uh, the highly recommended, most sources will say, uh, some good straw. Yeah. Yeah. So now That's is good. where the time is to grab your garlic. They're out like the tulips in your garden centers right now. The elephants, uh, Mexican red, the classic, just uh, plain old garlic, old fashioned uh, allium sativum. And uh, yeah, we can break those up and start planting anytime yeah. now. Yeah. And I think the cool thing is that you could even plant them within the flower gardens because they're pretty subtle. You know, yeah. it comes up green, like, you know, like a giant um, chive, you know, if you think about it, that's that kind of, so it's pretty inconspicuous. You do, see, you know, when it turns into a scape and it kind of goes curly, it you then it's obvious that it's not a flower or something, but it looks cool and you can easily uh, clip those scapes. We did make um, scape pesto this past year Ooh. and oh my gosh, it was very good. Um, we got like three quarters of a jar because we didn't have that much garlic, but uh, I would definitely make that again. And I would definitely go to the farmer's market and buy extra scapes to do that because it was very, we love garlic at home. So with some pine nuts and some olive oil and some of our own garlic scapes, they was very cool. So, uh, so yeah, so I think that's really cool because sometimes people say, um, one, they do take up space and just the timing of the crop to use up your vegetable, like a spot in a, uh, you know what vegetable garden it would really take away from that but so you could really plant them in a south facing where it gets a, it does need a lot of sun and mix it with, with your other plants and then uh, you, you you know then you can uh, kind of uh, grow your vegetable garden uh, elsewhere kind of thing so uh, so yeah so that's a neat feature I think about growing garlic but it's definitely um, a September October time to do it and sooner and at least go buy it sooner because I think that's why yeah. I wanted to talk about it today is because sometimes people um, you know will have another show or it'll come up in October when everybody's frantically trying to get it in the ground um, and you can't find it anywhere so it's get it buy it you know much like bulbs when you're trying to find the alliums or the specific bulbs you want for the for planting in the fall um, buy early agreed Yes, most certainly. All that talk about garlic scapes and that yummy pesto and then my salad. Your chicken getting, salad and yeah. Very hungry. <laughs> um, so just as we jump uh, through our grab bag of September, uh, I think it's time to say uh, thank you for joining us here live on Reality Radio 101. And thank you as well for all of you listening at home or in the comfort of your vehicle on your drive to work. Uh, with the downloaded podcast. We really appreciate uh, your download as well. I'm Matthew Dressing here with my co-host Joanne Shaw and you are listening to Down the Garden Path. Joanne and I enjoy hosting Down the Garden Path each week, bringing you interesting and relevant topics to help you achieve a great garden. We learn right along with you from our research and from the guests that join us here on the show. Don't forget to spend more time with us down the garden path. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. Our handle there is at down the garden path podcast. You can also find us on your favorite podcast provider. And while you're there, please hit that subscribe button to be notified of new content. And please don't forget to like, share, and leave us a comment. We love hearing from our listeners. You can always write us here as well. Uh, when we're off the air or uh, whenever you like at instudio101 at gmail.com. Gary, our wonderful producer, make sure that we get all of our wonderful mail. Don't forget, you can also find us on our own websites. You can find Joanne at downthenumber2earth.ca and you can find myself at naturalaffinity.ca. So we jump into 
some others or did you that's have right those? um well uh we have george is saying congratulations to you on your new career so he said good luck and that is great news so that's good matt oh thank you very much george yeah, thank you so much yeah. And then James is also saying congrats. And James is from Akron, Ohio. And he's saying also congrats and good luck. Um, and he and he said, you guys said that we should wait to trim and prune trees until the fall. Thanks. Mm. Um, so James, yeah, it depends on which trees. So tell us which trees that you want to prune. But yeah, now is now is a good time. Yeah. Yep. And then again, just depending on on who it is. Uh, a lot of them are going to still be in leaf. Uh, some of them are still moving sap into the root zone. Uh, so some you might see a little bit of extra bleeding, uh, but there are definitely some that you could do. And if you want to let us know who you've got, we could maybe give you a little bit more specific advice. Mm -hmm. But yeah. And then as a rule of thumb, remember, you don't ever really want to prune too hard, like more than a third of all the active growth, uh, especially just going into the fall with them regathering their energy and prepping for some winter. So. Yeah. Should we um should we wait until they've lost their leaves or is it is there is there a window there or do it before they've lost leaves or does that depend? Yeah, I, I, again, it kind of depends on who it is. But I always like as we get into fall, everyone's kind of changing color and drawing in that energy. So I like to give them kind of like the tulips, uh, you know, in the late spring, early summer, kind of give them that chance to uh, take in their their all those carbohydrates and fatten up for the winter before I do it. But, but again, that's just, I mean, two weeks is all. Okay. So meaning wait till they've lost their leaves. Like I like to wait. Yeah. Right. Okay. Let them take in that energy. But if you really need to, for sure. For sure. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. If you need to do it, you need to do it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's great. That is oh. great. Um, oh, I, yeah. What else is in our grab bag, Matt? Okay. Uh, yeah. So I think one of the topics that you, uh, oops, I think you wanted to talk to um, our listeners about was wasps. Yes, they are brutal. Um, so I just, we've yeah. tried a number of things. We've tried the wasp trap. We've tried the wasp decoy nest. Um, but I'd love to know from a listener, like, and I know you, because you live in an apartment condo, like you don't have that issue. I don't, although I don't know if you have it on your balcony at all. Um, but yeah, it's, it's so challenging and we never, you know, you hear you have a beautiful patio furniture and a nice patio, but yet you don't want to sit out there because the wasps are, you know, my family doesn't want to eat outside at all. Yeah. I get a few up here, especially this year, having the Alpine strawberries, mm. they can smell of the couple that have, I've missed and have landed in the soil and they can smell the new ones coming onto the, the vine. So they're coming up to investigating and they're starting to bite in and get some of the sugars. Uh, and we definitely had that at the garden center as well, especially things like your dwarf Alberta spruces uh, or any of the um, like your pines and things that had some good cones. They're going in and they're looking for some of that resin that has popped out or has uh, escaped along the sheaths of the needles and they're collecting all those sugars uh, mm -hmm. that they're going after. But this is definitely the time uh, in which they go absolutely uh, Well, it, it seems like it started early though. I would say it yeah. was most of the month of August too. So I just would love if there's any listeners yeah. who have questions, who have solutions, who've tried something, um, you know, I would love to know. So that was just one of those things I was going to throw out to our listeners. Um, I know one of the other common 
questions right now for a lot of people and, and some on online on social media are moms. So moms mm. are they've been out in stores a little I always complain about how early they come out because it's still so warm. Um, and, you know, a lot of new gardeners are wanting to uh, try to put them in their garden as opposed to just keeping them as an annual in a container. And I find a lot of experienced gardeners are like, oh, yeah, you can do it. It's easy. But it's not that easy for a new gardener. It's it's not that easy, is it? No, it can it can be kind of deceiving. And I think the most deceiving part is um, we don't realize that the mums that we buy are very um, severely pinched during their growth phase. So when you plant that mum, we're, you're going to see them as advertised as annuals. Quite a number of them are actually perennial cultivars uh, that we grow. And they will, with some leaf litter and the head left on, will grow some new roots and, and, and shoots and make it through the winter. Um, but they're never going to emerge again and look like that nice, tight, dense dome. A number of them grow three to four feet tall. They're very upright and erect, spreading out to about a foot or so. And then always, we always get mum those thick branches at the end of the season uh, as they get mature that they'll very easily snap and crack open. And then you get this really ugly old sedum kind of look uh, and you, yeah, you kind of lose it. I um, used to work by a place another garden center and one of the ladies down the road built a uh, or grew not built but grew a hedge of mums around her whole property instead of a boxwood or a yew she had wow. three foot mums and she just loved the flowers every year but every year when you got to September there was a chunk missing because a windstorm came through and that thick fleshy stem just just wouldn't hold up just broke uh, right yeah. just broke so so was beware. she good at pruning it? Like, so, cause by pinching it back or pruning it. So you need to, you know, when they first start emerging, you should cut it back again. And then it grows yeah. a little bit more and you cut it back again. And, and uh, so, yeah, you said it almost three times, right? Yeah. Um, it's been a while since I've done it. Um, we did it a lot in school when we grew our own mums, but I think, and I might be wrong, uh, but it's about the three to four week. And then another one is about the four to five week or the six week. And then there's that one more time, depending on how big or whatever that you're getting them. So yeah, yeah, usually two to three times, but yeah, it's that pinching that causes them to break and grow all those, those new lateral shoots that make that nice dense uh, dome. Yeah. And then you'll often sometimes see that netting um, that's in the mums as well to kind of stitch them together to help prevent a little Ooh. bit of that cracking in the big ones yeah if you look at some of the big ones you just get like this weird blue uh like bean or trellis netting uh in the middle of them as well i've even seen snow fencing in some of the other <laughs> yeah that's oh, yeah. a little weird when you look in the orange mum and there's a piece of snow fencing <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. if you do want to keep it so if, if you do want to try your hand yeah. at a sunny spot in your garden just know that it is going to get wide. It is going to take up a lot of space. It's not going to stay the size that it is in, a, in the container. And if you don't, you know, I know it's saving, you know, on one hand it's saving money, but it's a lot of work. So if you do love moms and just want to continue growing them in a container, that's okay too. Yeah. Uh, you know, at cooler temperatures, it's better to buy them. Um, when it's kind of cooler, cooler at night. And uh, I think they last a little longer when it's hot, they open uh, all open it right away. And then they kind of finish right away, don't they? Yeah, especially when it's hot. They're definitely cool season uh, plants. So the longer, the cooler it is, the longer they'll hold. But yeah. 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 
Yeah. And or you uh, I kind of I'm not a big fan of like the big clump of like a big container of mums, but um, to make a mixed, you know, so now if your annual pot at your front door or in your yard are starting to look a little sad and tired, uh, now's a good time where you could, you know, take out the, you know, take those things out and, uh, you know, leave what's good, but add like a small thing of mums and maybe add um, a kale uh, or a cabbage you know, and, and kind of switch, start to switch over to more of a fall looking um, annual container. Yeah, exactly. And if you've got some alyssums that are still blooming or some pelargoniums, the annual geraniums, they will take that coolness as you move through as well. So if they're still looking fresh and you like them, uh, you can keep those as well too. Okay. Yeah. Good. So, um, and make sure everybody knows that if you are, sorry, just to backtrack on mums a bit is that it, they do require full sun. So it's, yes. if it's, it's not, if it's not, not to experiment in a, like just a neglected part of your, you know, half shade garden or something like that, <laughs> they do require, um, full sun. Yeah. So we do have a couple, um, listener questions. Excellent. Um, we've got one from Beth. Hello, garden path. Uh, you once had a gentleman on your show that talked about backyard ponds, waterscapes, etc. I wanted to get some advice from him. Do you have his contact information? Uh, thank you, Beth, for um, remembering and reaching out. Yeah, that was Ernest Williams uh, from Aquascape Inc. Uh, so aquascapeinc.ca, uh, I believe, is the website. I don't. Ha- we don't have their information or his information on us, uh, but we will reach out. Uh, or so we will find it and we will get back to you with, with that information as well. You can also take a look at the past podcasts. Uh, I'm sure if you forward closer to the last 10 minutes or so, uh, you'll probably find Ernest giving you all of his information as well. So Beth, we will definitely uh, get back to you with Ernest's contact information. Excellent. Uh, excellent. And then uh, Irene has written in uh, talking about weeds, my other favorite topic to talk about this time of year. Um, She says, my neighbor gets all of his weeds out of his lawn by doing it manually with a weed digger. He says that is the best way to get rid of weeds since it's right down to the roots. However, another neighbor of mine down the street says uh, that that is hogwash and he uses natural and available Canadian weed, weed control products on his lawn and that that does the trick. I have to admit both lawns look great. What is best? Yeah, it's tough, right? I think there's, I I don't know that there's a best. I think what is easier. And that was going to be my answer for Irene too, is uh, I think both of them have a way that works for them. And it really boils down to uh, which would you prefer? Do you want to be out there picking like your one neighbor? Or do you want to uh, use some of the, uh, you know, the Canadian treatments that uh, your other neighbor is using quite successfully uh, as well. And you could hybrid them both, uh, you know, see what you works for you best. Uh, yeah. So definitely take a look because yeah, there are definitely advantages and disadvantages. I think the main ones are just like the ease really. Uh, what do you find low maintenance? Do you want to be digging everything out and reseeding and whatever? And, uh, or do you want to just be shooting and killing and, you know, maybe reapplying a few times depending on who you've got and what you're using. Mm-hmm. So maybe say spraying and killing versus shooting and killing. But, yeah. Or spraying and killing. Yeah. <laughs> spraying a treatment. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Did I tell you I bought one of those weed torches? 
I did. No, and and, was and my family won't let me touch it because it's it really gives off a whoo. Does it give off a flame? I'm supposed to pull up the chair. Um, yeah, it's it's not what I expected. It is a flamethrower, pretty much. Um, so yeah, I have uh, weeds in the cracks of my interlocking and stuff. So I got frustrated and I didn't want I didn't want to go the weed picking way, way uh, Irene, and I wanted to do it a faster way. And I did try doing spraying some with some weed be gone, but they were like old bottles and, and nothing really happened. So I kind of, um, you know, so you need a little um, and it's not it's, it is propane, like the little green cylinder and this big wand that um <laughs> so my son was like you're not you know and of course I'm like out there in my Birkenstocks and my shorts and then like <laughs> on the box it's like to show you know foot proper footwear long pants <laughs> gloves and I'm like he's like ripping it out of my hands nope you can't use it so he's done it for me a couple which is kind of good because then now he does it for me um so he's done it uh twice for me now um and but the thing is it kills it but it's still there yeah so wait, I just feel like everything kind of gets your hopes up that it's going to help you with weeds like like even the some of the sprays right yeah it turns black and kills it but it's still there like you still then still have to pick it out yeah you know get rid of it. I, I don't know Irene I think if your neighbor um, who's the weed digger you know I think sometimes maybe it's just the easiest thing to do um, I know on my new sod I have been by my hand going through and kind of pulling up the weeds that are easy to pull out. Um, you know, certainly do not use, you can't use the uh, weed torch for that. But uh, <laughs> um, if, you know, Lee, Lee Valley sells this little weed torch um, and we try not to start, we tried not to start a forest fire, but, or like a grass fire anyway. Uh, so anyway, that was kind of funny thing that happened at our place. But uh, I, and if you use a weed torch, I'd love to hear about it. And the cool thing is I thought you, we can use it in the winter too. So for on ice and stuff, but. Yeah. That's true. I was a weed, a quick weed torch uh, story. I was in the garden center uh, and a gentleman had a very similar question to Irene. And like you brought, got one of those weed torches uh, and he was going around his pool and he got to the end all the way around the pool and he turned around and the idle flame on the end of his wand went straight through the middle of his 13 foot cedar hedge and caught every little dead needle in the core of his cedar hedge, his white cedar hedge on fire. He went back into the house and uh, he looked out and went, What's that smell? It smells like fire. Looked out and half of his cedar hedge was five foot uh, worth of flames. And he came into the garden center to ask me how I might uh, be able to help him repair uh, the top half of the cedar hedge that burnt to the ground. And <laughs> that was a yeah. tough uh, one for me to tell him. That's uh, yeah. pretty much uh, done. <laughs> I thought you were going to say he got the liner. Like he 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 did the line. He could have burned the liner too. I, they definitely won't oh, let me go yeah. in the backyard with it. Um, yeah, it's pretty powerful. So it's not it like is. I think the concept's great. I don't know that it has to be that intense. Like I think it could have been like little, like a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> you know, it's pretty intense. Even starting it, you have to use one of those clickers that start it. Oh, I was out at that. Like when he, 
Matthew, Matthew got out that clicker thing to start it. I'm like, oh, I'm not putting my hand down there. I'm not doing that. So. <laughs> uh, yes, yes, my son, Matthew. Sorry, not you. But anyway, so, you know, drastic measures when it comes to weed sometimes. So uh, so thanks for your question, Irene. And I, I and some of it, it does expect, I think it does depend on the weed too, because things like crabgrass, if you get it early before it goes to seed, they are fairly yeah. easy to pull up. Um, some of them are very easy. This one, I don't know what this one is that's in the cracks of my my walkway. It's very low and flat and the needles are very low and flat and it just grows. But it's amazing how tight it's, it's um, yeah, I don't know what it is, but uh, that's why. So then when you burnt it, you know, you kind of went to the center and it says to just like gently, you know, uh, you know, pass over it. And they all shrivel up and die, but then it's still like now I have brown, you know, patches of it on my my walkway. So I still am going to have to bend over and go scrape them out. So I don't know. It didn't, you know, I just felt like it would disintegrate it and I wouldn't have to worry, but it, it didn't do that. It just turned to ash and vanished in the wind. I know, I know. And I can hear Gary <laughs> saying to Anne, it's not about you. Stop talking about you. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that, but yes. <laughs> Come well, on. You missed telling me that. Remember when it was just you and me? Yeah, and I was yeah, like, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> Holding out the sign, Gary's like, it's not about you. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? The, that's your writers um, tonight, especially with a weed torch. That is... Uh, you know, really good advice, the stuff you guys are joking about, because you could do some serious damage with that. Yeah, it's not a toy. <laughs> it is not yeah. a toy. I mean, it, it's not a toy. I, I can see it being super effective in, in uh, certain conditions. And the, and it is effective on my, my walkway. It just wasn't what I was expecting, you know. Um, and, you know, it's one of those things that looks good on, right? It looks good on the internet. It looks good in the catalog that makes it look so easy. But it's fire. Like, it's still fire, you know? So, so yeah, it was uh, it was kind of funny when I'm like, I'm like, you know, said to him, oh, I'm going to go get it started. And I like, I'm running out with my Birkenstocks. And he's like, running after me, like, no, you're not. So, uh, anyway, so it, it was fun. It was fun. But, uh, yeah, so the things we'll do for weeds. <laughs> yes, the things we will do for weeds. Um, oh, uh, Kyle has just written in as we were talking about our thing. Uh, we use a weed torch for one thing only, lighting our bonfires. Oh, on. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, and Edward has written in and he said, have you guys ever used one of the portable water timers that you connect to your outdoor faucet? And if so, do they work well? They are a lot cheaper than an in-ground system, and I wanted to get some for my yard. Thanks. I have, I think I have one in my, in my garage, but I haven't used it for years. Yeah. Yeah, I've used them a couple times, morally on like families' houses. I've set them up, um, and then we usually have a, a nice timer. There are some really inexpensive ones, and then there are some higher quality ones. Uh, so that definitely, Edward, will play a factor into it. Uh, and then I like to um, just get some soaker hoses that I can hide under the mulch. I'll lay it out under the mulch and then leave usually, you know, beside a perennial uh, or a shrub or just somewhere discreet, uh, the end of a hose. And then I'll use something like those Gardena attachments to uh, put the hose and just kind of connect it where I need to. And I can water a bed overnight or I can, you know, move it around and, you know, turn it on and time it for an hour and let it go or just run it straight from the hose. Uh, but I'm, I'm watering into uh, that hidden under mulch 
uh, soaker hose system. Mm -hmm. Uh, So yeah, I've had some success with them. Um, Obviously, I don't have one because I'm in a condo, but um, yeah, definitely. Um, But yeah, just, you know, um, get a good one, get a good one. Yeah. Um, And And that's what I, when I had mine, I did use it with a soaker hose. I think, I think the homemade or the DIY irrigation systems have come a long way too. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I don't know where you are, Edward. I mean, but Lee Valley has a lot of, um, I know my next door neighbor did one himself with, because I like the idea of drip um, versus spray for a lot of plants anyway. So I think you can, you kind of install some drip irrigation and then set that, do that timer. So, uh, so yeah, so I think, I think it really can be effective depending on the size of your garden. I think if it is a really, you're, yeah, it certainly wouldn't work for lawns, I don't think. And, and if, if it was a really big, you know, front, back and sides and stuff like that, I think it, it would not be as effective, but, um, yeah. And, and you mean not as effective if it was like a drip irrigation or a, like a soaker hose thing. Right. Yeah. 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 Cause yeah. Cause, um, that's a good way too. If you, you know, you want to water your lawn earlier in the morning, uh, you could always set up your timer to go off at, you know, 4am and you just, before you go to sleep, you throw out your lawn, your sprinkler and your hose on the, out on the lawn and, and let her do her thing and pull her in on the way home or out to the way to work. Uh, and you're good to go. But yeah, I love the drip irrigation as well. Um, you limit your water waste. There's not water running down the garden. It's a nice slow uh, trickle and apply. And you keep that all that extra free moisture off of your foliage and things and get, you know, get those uh, conditional funguses or powdery mildews and those weird mm-hmm. things too. So yeah, I'm a huge fan. Yeah, so that's Perfect. good. Great idea. So let us know how it works out, Edward, mm-hmm. and which system you go. We'd love to hear how you go with it. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Um, lawns. Now there's some usually there and I'm sure our show last week talked about a few things to do for your lawn, but nematodes or and fall fertilizer, right? And corn gluten. Yeah. Those are kind of the three mixed bags as far as lawn care goes. That's right. We are definitely into fall fertilizer time. Uh, I like to say uh, Labor Day or Memorial Day is a good starting point for our fall fertilizer. There's organic and synthetic options out there, uh, depending on on which you use. And um, I forget. I'm so sorry. Uh, There was the gentleman who was asking about fertilizer as I scroll down. Stephen, uh, that's where, you know, if my lawn is really kind of patchy and needs some quick, vigorous growth, I'll go synthetic uh, and a granular or a liquid just to kind of drive some growth in its prime grow time. uh, Or I'll put down some granular fertilizer, organic or uh, synthetic for it to feed along as well. Definitely still time to do nematodes if you've had some white grub issues, uh, whether you're, you know, European chafer, June bug, or your infamous Japanese beetle. Uh, the eggs are hatching and they are young and very close to the surface. So now is uh, a prime time to knock those guys out. Uh, and yeah, if you're not, um, going to put any grass seed down. Remember, corn gluten can go down, but it will inhibit any weed seed from growing. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if you're ready for some corn gluten and you've got some empty space, you just want to kind of keep empty and no one to grow in, you can definitely corn gluten. And then uh, just kind of like Joanne said earlier in the show, kind of that timely thing, you know, the best time you're looking mid to end of October, as we start to really cool off, get it starting to dissolve in, uh, because it is pretty cumulative, sorry, moving from fall into spring. So it'll really fortify your spring application uh, as well. But yeah, those are definitely the three big lawn ones right now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the first, so the first one is really being nematodes. 
Yeah. Um, and then fall fertilizer, what, by the end of the month? Yep. You could do it anytime, like from now to the end of the month. If you're doing nematodes, I like you can go organic and nematodes at the same time. Uh, but if you're going to go synthetic, definitely go, you know, nematodes first and give it a few weeks and then put that down. Or if you've already put down a synthetic, your Scots uh, or CIL or whatever your, your brand of choice is, uh, give it again a few weeks before you get the nematodes. Let that kind of leach out and start to enter the soil first. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you do need to water the lawn a lot for nematodes. So yeah. water it before you you spray you spray them and then water them in after you spray them after you spray them in. Um, yeah. So yeah, so then I think you would be, you know, really diluting that, uh, wasting that that fertilizer really, right? Right, right. Yep. Okay. And then remember to keep it nice and moist as our nematodes are those swimmers. Yes, yes. Um, Anything specific about the application rate for the um, corn gluten? Uh, It's usually depending on the bag that you get. It's usually Mm -hmm. about uh, nine kilograms or so that'll cover a thousand square feet. Um, I have heard from some other professionals in the industry that it does do better um, at like a half or half that rate. The same amount over 500 square feet. Okay. But I would always just disclaimer follow the instructions on on your your chemical or your treatment or whatever it is, whether it's corn gluten fertilizer or something else. Uh, But I've also had heard some debate about that. Note though, too, uh, we do have some foraging birds starting to move, and it is corn gluten. It is a corn protein which will draw them in for a bit of food. Right. Especially right. if you're near lakes and ducks. <laughs> yes, for sure. And even um, don't, don't buy extra to store in the garage or anything like that, because it will also could also attract mice and, and, and that kind of thing too. Right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so definitely use it. And uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's been a fun show doing this mixed bag. Don't you think? It has. I think we've touched touched a lot of different questions that people have been asking both of us. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's always good to reiterate and touch on some of those important September to do's. That's right. And next month or next month, next week, we're (laughs) excited to have Julie DeMacos back um, just to talk about how her garden made out and uh, how, you know, things to do with our harvest as well as what we can plant now. Because there's some crops, cool weather crops that we can start still plant and kind of grow into the fall and into the winter. So um, we've got a few things for Julie. And I hope you enjoyed her past shows with us. And uh, yeah. That's right. I think it was Julia, isn't it? And we've been saying Julie. So sorry, Julia. <laughs> but yes, so thank you for tuning in everyone uh, tonight to Down the Garden Path uh, here on Reality Radio 101. And we look forward to uh, talking with you and uh, spending next week with you. Thank you for listening to Down the Garden Path with your host, Joanne Shaw and Matthew Dressing right here on Reality Radio 101.